Will Archibald Manning redshirt in 2023? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Longhorns your first listen of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Will Arch Manning redshirt in 2023? Where does he fit in on the depth chart with Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy at the 40 Acres in the quarterback room? And we have to talk about this Texas men's basketball team. Tough loss last night to the Iowa State Cyclones and Tyrese Hunter's return, 78-67. to 67, All of that and more on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. Getting into the quarterback room in 2023, where does Arch Manning fit in in the depth chart with Malik Murphy and Quinn Ewers? Should Arch Manning redshirt in 2023? And we know that there's going to be a lot of talk this year about Arch Manning. Everything that Arch Manning does is going to get covered like the World Cup, right? When will he get on the field? Should he play? If Quinn Ewers is named the starter the first time he messes up, when will Quinn Ewers get in? There's going to be a lot of propaganda and talk from the national media about Arch Manning. All right. And if as a Texas fan, if it pisses you off, if it makes you sick to, sick to your stomach, just buckle up. Right? He's only been on campus for two weeks and we're just getting started. It's going to be a lot of propaganda about Arch Manning this year more so from the national side than the Texas side, right? And I think the main reason for that is because he's a Manning. Like I said, everything he does is going to get over-talked about. Him losing his ID has gone viral on Twitter, right? Everything that Arch Manning does is a story, unfortunately for him. But two, I think Quinn Ewers' play in 2022 opened the door for us to ask, should Malik Murphy or Arch Manning at least threaten for the quarterback one position in 2023? Now, let's cut the fat. Quinn Ewers will be the starter in 2023. They're going to sell it as if there's going to be an open quarterback competition, but there won't be. Quinn Ewers will be your starting quarterback next year. And there's been plenty of examples of quarterbacks who struggled their first year, whether it be a red shirt or true freshman year or just a first year in the system, and then going on to have great, going on to have great careers at their university. All right. The biggest national example, you could say Joe Burrow did not look great his first year at LSU, comes back, has one of the best, if not the best season by a quarterback ever in college football and wins the natty at LSU his second year. Sam Ellinger, if you want to go to Texas, did not look great his first year, ends up being the best quarterback in Texas history in recent memory and one of the best in the history of Texas football. Vince Young ends up winning a natty, but before that wasn't great early on, was benched for, benched for Chance Mock, right? And so we've seen examples of quarterbacks like Quinn were struggling, and he essentially skipped football his senior year, went up there to be the backup to C.J. Stroud's backup, and didn't play a lot of football. And I would surmise at this point that throwing 300 passes at South Lake Carroll would have been a lot more valuable experience than going up there and being in the quarterback room with Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud for what it's worth, right? So maybe my expectations for Quinn Ewers should have been tempered based on the fact that he hadn't played real football in almost two years. But like I said, I think he has all the talent and the ability to be great next year. The only thing I've ever questioned about Quinn Ewers is does he have the work ethic and the mental makeup to want to be great, right? Because he has all the arm talent in the world, but does he want to be great? And I think we'll see that next year where it's going to be more on him 
to lead this team to a Big 12 championship, 10 plus wins, et cetera, et cetera, whatever your goals are for the team. Quinn Ewers will have to be the driving force behind that. So now that leaves, if Quinn Ewers is our quarterback one, we're cutting the fat, right? That leaves Arch Manning and Malik Murphy competing for the quarterback two position. And I think there will be a healthy competition. And I think the only healthy competition in the quarterback room will be for who should get that quarterback two job. And when you look at Malik Murphy, he has, I don't want to say a cult following. That's a little bit of a disrespectful, but he has a strong following for somebody who's never thrown a pass at the University of Texas. And I think it's because he committed to Sark. And then when they went after Quinn Ewers and ultimately landed Quinn Ewers commitment, Malik Murphy never wavered in his dedication and commitment to the University of Texas. And when they went out and pursued Arch Manning, knowing what that possibly would mean for him, he still never wavered in his commitment and his dedication to the University of Texas. And on top of that, right, I think his humble nature, his dedication to the University of Texas, a lot of fans love that. I think that he's a really good quarterback, right? 6'5", has a rocket arm, has really good size. And I think he's been labeled as a project, which kind of triggers me because I think a lot of black quarterbacks get labeled as projects. And I think, I don't think Sark would have recruited him if he felt like Malik Murphy was three to four years away from playing competent football at the quarterback position at the university of Texas. I think Sark has the confidence that if need be Malik Murphy could go in this year and play really good football. Like I said, if need be at the quarterback two position. And so I'm really excited to see what Malik Murphy can do, especially in a competition with Arch Manning, who most people have surmised, will jump him on the depth chart eventually, even if it's not to start the season. Arch Manning will get an opportunity before Malik Murphy does. That's what most people think. And so the question is, is should Arch Manning redshirt, right? Should Arch Manning just take this year as a developmental year? And I think it's time that we start to take the training wheels off of Arch Manning, in a sense, because this needs to be a meritocracy, right? And Quarterback one should even be a meritocracy. I think if Charles Wright, Malik Murphy, or Arch Manning go out and have the best camp, they should be strongly considered for the quarterback one job. But we know that there's, in everything, there's politics involved, <laughs> even a little bit, right? And that's why I say we can cut the fact Quinn Ewers will be the starter next year. And that probably because of his year in the system, his, I guess, what, eight, nine games of playing experience probably would serve better for the University of Texas moving forward. But quarterback two should be the same way. Because we've seen two quarterbacks on the roster, Quinn Ewers, serious injury in high school, missed four games last year, or three and 75% of the Alabama game. Malik Murphy, serious injury in high school, and then injured last year was the reason that he wasn't able to jump Charles Wright on the depth chart until the Alamo Bowl. So there's a chance that regardless of where you put Arch Manning on the depth chart, he's going to have to play meaningful football this year. And so I think we need to approach it and get Arch Manning ready to play meaningful football this year, whether that's at the quarterback two or the quarterback three spot. Now, I think if he's the quarterback two, I think he still has the opportunity to redshirt. I don't think that this Texas football team will be good to the point to where they'll be blowing out four or five teams and Arch Manning will play in four and five games if Quinn Ewer stays healthy for the whole year. But as I said, Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy staying healthy for the whole year is definitely not a foregone conclusion. And all the talk surrounding Arch Manning when he first committed on June 23rd was that it was going to be a foregone conclusion. He was going to redshirt, you know, Arch, Quinn Ewers was going to start for two years and Arch Manning was going to start for two years. But that tone kind of changed. And I remember I thought it was funny that 
the day after the Oklahoma State game where Quinn Ewers had one of the worst statistical stat lines we've seen. I don't know if statistical stat lines, that's probably redundant, right? <laughs> one of the worst stat lines we've seen in 22 years, right, since the turn of the century. Only two other quarterbacks had thrown at least 49 passes and completed 19 or less in the last 22 years, one of those being Quinn Ewers. The next day, even though we knew Arch Manning would probably enroll early, he did play basketball at Isidore Newman, he announces the next day after that that he'll be enrolling early. So I thought the timing was funny. And all the talk about him redshirting before the season has kind of tempered down because there were some questions about, you know, how he would be able to adjust coming from 2A football to playing big boy football at the University of Texas. Uh, you know, how would he adjust just to be in a college student period? How would he be able to grasp the playbook? We know it's a tough system with Sark. How would he, you know, grasp the concepts, all of that. And it seems like everything they've been able to see thus far, he's exceeded expectations, right? Understanding concepts, understanding Sark's offense, getting in his own workouts, showing everything we thought of when we got a man, right? Showing that leadership ability and that mental capacity that's like, wow, this is what makes a quarterback great. This is what made Archie, Eli, and Peyton great. And this is what we think will make Arch Manning great at the 40 acres. He's shown all of that already based on what we're hearing. The only thing we've yet to see is how he'll adjust to the speed of the game. And we can't see that until he gets on the field. But I also think that him adjusting to the speed of the game will come a little easier than most people think because he wasn't throwing to a great, cadre of skill positions at Isidore Newman right and so he's going to be going against better players on the defensive side for sure but the players he's throwing to and handing the ball off to are going to be a lot better than what he had at Isidore Newman Will Randall with Will Randall withstanding right so I don't think we should be going into the season trying to coddle Arch Manning or saying he should Richard and I don't think we should go into the season just saying we should put Arch Manning third on the depth chart and Malik Murphy give him the second quarterback position. Because as I said, it should be a meritocracy. And not only should it be a meritocracy, but you have two quarterbacks on the roster with a detailed injury history. And so we may need Arch Manning this year. Last thing is, I don't think that Arch Manning redshirt affects redshirting affects the amount of time that he's on campus. I think whether Arch Manning redshirts this year or not, he's going to be on campus for three years. And so I think that we need to do everything in our power to make sure that Arch Manning is ready to play this year. And if that leads to him being quarterback two, then so be it. And if it possibly leads to him being quarterback one, either going into the season or at some point in the season, if it's a meritocracy, then so be it. A quick word from Bet Online, and then we're going to talk about this Texas basketball team last night against the Iowa State Cyclones. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So Rodney Terry coming into the game against Iowa State was 8-1 and one as the acting men's basketball coach at the University of Texas. And I think he's done a hell of a job based on the situation that fell into his lap. You wake up on December 12th and find out that your head coach has been arrested. And now you are the head coach of this Texas men's basketball team. And you have to take over this team that has national championship aspirations and still lead them there with this dark cloud hanging over the program. So I think even now at eight and two, 
you know, he's winning 80% of his games. Rodney Terry has done a hell of a job, right? And I think we need to give Rodney Terry his flowers, one, for the job that he's doing, given the circumstances, but two, the fact that he's doing a hell of a job. Like Jason Jordan said, Rodney Terry is killing the interview right now. And so we got to give credit where credit is due. When I looked at this game last night against Iowa State and Texas, I think that Iowa State, really what I what we already knew and what kind of I just learned from this game is that the Big 12 is tough, man. Like, it's tough, tough, right? I think the Big 12 is to basketball what the SEC is to football. And although, and really, I guess I, when I look at it, because you have Georgia and Alabama who seem like they're just a step above everybody else in college football. I don't know if you have that in the Big 12 in terms of teams, but there's more great teams in the Big 12 in basketball than there are great teams in football in the SEC because Iowa State is really good. Kansas State is really good. Texas, Texas we mentioned Texas. Kansas is really good. Uh, Baylor, they've been shaky, but they're really good. Still one of the best teams in the country. Have, you know, some really good guard play. Uh, and then we look at Texas Tech. They haven't won a conference game yet. We talk about how tough the Big 12 is, but – that's definitely still a team I could see making a run, right? We know the pedigree of that basketball program for the last few years. So the Big 12 is really tough, and I think that these games will mean a lot for Texas moving forward, win or loss, right? You can turn these losses into lessons because, like I said, we've seen in the last four years with Georgia winning twice, Alabama and LSU winning the national championship in college football, and then Kansas and Baylor winning the national championship the last two years in college basketball, these teams are battle-tested. Right. You go through this tough conference schedule all year. So by the time you get to the national, you know, the college football playoff or the final four, you're in such a good position because you've been playing these type of gritty, tough games every night. And so you're in a better position than teams in the ACC, the SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, wherever, where on a night in, night out basis, you're not playing teams that can make a deep run in the tourney. Right now, Texas is playing teams on a night in and night out basis that can make a deep run in the tourney. So I think even though they lost this game, a tough game, a tough environment on the road, Iowa State, really good team. I think that that'll benefit them moving forward. When you talk about the game itself, I think that it came down to Texas. I mean, Iowa State was just more physical. Um, I think that they did a really good job of taking Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr out of their comfort zone. They were both efficient, but they didn't get up a lot of shots. Timmy Allen only took five shots. He's been closer to 10 um recently and then we know Marcus Carr he's gonna get his shots up he only took nine shots right they just did a really good job of kind of getting in their face and um taking them out of offense saying we're gonna make everybody else beat us right we're gonna make Tyrese Hunter beat us we're gonna make Christian Bishop beat us we're gonna make Dylan DeSue beat us right and they just weren't able to do that Dylan Mitchell in 16 minutes didn't attempt a shot right Jason Jordan said that our trio of guards Serge Barry Rice Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr might be the best in the country they only gave you 27 points last night and they played 33 points for I mean 33 minutes for Hunter 36 minutes for Carr and 26 minutes for Serge Barry Rice when you compare that to what Iowa State got from their guards they got 54 points from their three guards at Holmes Grill and Cal Shear right they made five more three-pointers than we did that's a 15-point swing in an 11-point game and they shot eight more free throws than we did. I don't think that that's a huge discrepancy, but I do need to bring up the Dylan Mitchell play, which was egregious from the Big 12 refs. I'm not even the person that comes on here and likes to play the woe is me Texas car, like, oh, the Big 12 is out to get us, or, oh, they're doing this or that because Texas and Oklahoma is leaving the Big 12. Like, you know, I'll leave that to y'all. But what I'm going to say is, is that that play was egregious, and I can understand missing a common foul, but – 
we can't miss a flagrant foul while the referee is right there. The referee, the player literally, Dylan Mitchell goes up for a rebound and the player literally just kind of like elbows under him and drops Dylan Mitchell from like seven, eight feet in the air to the ground. I mean, he looks like he can be hurt. And then Ronnie Terry can't even call a timeout because Iowa State has the ball. So all of his teammates are looking like, yo, what's going on with Dylan Mitchell? Ronnie Terry is like, yo, what's going on with Dylan Mitchell? And then Iowa State just comes down and busts a three. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why everybody's worried about their player on the floor. He literally had to run down the court because they wouldn't stop the game. Like, that's egregious. It was a flagrant foul. They need to call that. But all in all, like I said, I think they just did a really good job of taking our best offensive players out of their game and making other players beat us. And, you know, this is kind of what we saw offensively last year, right? It's just going to be some tough, gritty you know, games in the Big 12. But I don't think anything last night is an indictment on this Texas basketball team or it's an indictment on Rodney Terry. I think we should just give credit to a really good Iowa State basketball team and give credit to a gauntlet that is the Big 12. And you're going to have a lot of nights like this. You got to play Iowa State again. You got to play Kansas State again, who dropped 116 on you. You got to play Texas Tech again in Lubbock. You got to play Baylor twice. You got to play Kansas twice, right? So um, it's really going to be a tough gauntlet. But like I said, I think this is going to prepare this Texas team moving forward uh, you know, for some bad, some tough basketball. This tough basketball right now will propel them moving forward for the tough basketball in the tournament. They'll be battle tested by the time they get there, and I think that'll be the main reason why this Texas team makes a run. I think this Texas team will make a run. I think they're just too talented not to, and I think they'll bounce back on Saturday against a West Virginia team, although in Morgantown, that they should be very well coached, but I think Texas should be able to out-talent them, and I think they'll bounce back based on what happened last night, a tough game. You wanted to win that for Tyrese Hunter. You wanted to win it, period, and you lost that game. So I think Rodney Terry and his team will bounce back on Saturday against West Virginia and continue to kind of harden themselves and get better throughout Big 12 conference play. We'll make a run in the Big 12 tournament and ultimately make a run in the Final Four tournament. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Big 12. That schedule will be nice any day now. Hook them. Peace.